What companies would you want to work for? Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the prestigious Just Capital 2024 seal. Bank of America is ranked number one in the banking industry and number one for their ongoing commitment to workers, offering best-in-class benefits, including a minimum wage of $25 an hour by 2025. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. 656-9900. As we welcome you to hour number three of this edition of Saturday Sports Talk, Joel Silverberg, Logan Ward, Eric Kane, uh, potty troubles? Is that my yeah. understanding? Yeah. It's an ongoing ordeal. Got stuck again. Got stuck in the bathroom here, stuck at home. What are you going to do? Yep. Couldn't make it to the station on time. 656-9900, outside the local calling area. Star 990, a free call for AT&T and U.S. Cellular customers. Over the first two hours, there's been a lot of discussion surrounding Tennessee football. You can go back and listen to the podcast on our app as well as our website, 991thesportsanimal.com. A lot of discussion about Tennessee being ranked 24th in this week's way-too-early top 25 college football poll from ESPN. A lot of optimism surrounding Tennessee, a lot of optimism surrounding Hendon Hooker. At the same time, still a lot of questions on defense, still some guys to replace, and Tennessee still has to go out and prove it, but I think there's optimism that Tennessee can do it. Josh Pate from Late Kick suggested that Tennessee could be Alabama's trap game this season. The Vols have to host the Crimson Tide this year with Alabama coming off uh, the end of a three-game stretch with two of them being on the road. They'll play Texas A&M the week before. Texas A&M, of course, beat Alabama last year. And citing the main thing being Tennessee gets that game at home and Tennessee has a consistent passing attack with Hooker at quarterback. So some thoughts there throughout the first two hours of the show. And we invite you to join us at 656-9900. Again, Star 990, a free call for AT&T and U.S. Cellular customers. Yesterday, some... Fairly big news that maybe got glossed over a little bit in the world of college football in NCAA playing rules oversight panel approved three measures earlier in the week that will take place in 2022 targeting faking injuries and blocking below the waist have all been amended. And so we'll start with targeting because that is the. Uh, I mean, because that's the easy one, right? That's not a controversial topic of college football. But the issue with targeting, I think, has been, you know, you've got offensive players ducking into hits. You've got bang-bang plays, players getting ejected. And then, of course, the rule is if a player is tossed for targeting in the second half of a game, they then miss the first half of their following game. So, you know, a bang-bang play can result in a player completely getting to miss out on the first half of a big game. And so for any game that has instant replay, which is pretty much every Division I college football game now, conferences will now have the right to appeal the decision to the NCAA National Coordinator of Officials. And if video suggests the player should not have been removed because of targeting, then the player will be eligible immediately for his team's next game. So here's the pro and the con to that. The pro is, is that there's an opportunity that a player that gets kicked out of the fourth quarter of a game can maybe you know, not miss the first half of the following week if video suggests, hey, this actually wasn't targeting. The con to this is 
That means replay reviews for targeting are going to take twice as long as they already do. Because I would imagine it's not good for officials on the field if they fail to uphold or if they do uphold a targeting rule that should not have been called in the first place. It just kind of comes back to what is targeting? There seems to be different, you know, versions of the rule. Now, I think the rule, in, you know, is the same. Clearly, for every single game and every single officiating crew, that's what the NCAA says the rule is, so we have to abide by it. The thing about it is, there are replays that happen every single week in every single game where we all say, that's definitely targeting, then it's not targeting. And then there's other plays where we say, that is definitely not targeting, and then it is called targeting. We just need a we need a system that if a bad targeting call is made and a player is kicked out of the game and in the second half or it he, he's kicked out of the game and during the second half he has to miss the first half of next week's game there needs to be a review that it and it needs to be right where it comes in the SEC NCAA comes in and says hey this needs to happen we can overturn this call so that player can play. I like that they're going that direction. That needs to happen. It should have happened a long time ago. Yeah, I think, and I understand that they're reviewing targeting where they can, you know, amend it in a number of different ways because before when they used to review targeting, they could come back and say, well, okay, it's not targeting, so the player's not ejected, but we're not allowed to take away the personal foul penalty. That didn't make sense. So then they finally adjusted that. Now they're looking at it in the sense of, okay, if the player shouldn't have been removed, then they can come back for the first half of their ensuing game. The problem is, what about targeting issues that happen in the first half where the player misses the entire game? If it can't be appealed until the following week, well, then that doesn't really help you. Yeah, what's the point? So why, instead of talking about, okay, we're going to set up a system during the week that allows us to maybe go back and correct some things. Why can't we just implement a system that helps us get it right the first time? Because all we're doing here is putting in a safety net when officials will undoubtedly screw this up this upcoming fall because that's all that targeting has been. You know, I I get that the measure with the intent, I think everybody had the right idea in mind. Let's stop football players in an era where we're learning more and more about the dangers of concussions, let's try to minimize the number of times that a college athlete takes a serious hit to the head. That's great. Great thought to have. We've done that. We did that with overtime. Changing the overtime rules. That's the rule. But then let's just penalize players for hitting a guy in the head and and not... Because here's the thing. The incentive of getting kicked out of a game has not really been enough to stop players from getting hit in the head. Like I'm not, I'm not sure if the sport of football is aware, but guys get hit. That's why they wear helmets. Hits to the head happen. And it's unfortunate that they happen. It's unfortunate when players take hard hits to the head. But I do not think that kicking players out of football games has been enough. If it, Now, if you want to go ahead and try to measure intent, if a guy spears with the crown of his helmet and levels a guy on the side of his helmet and he's got the crown of his helmet going through the other guy's ear hole, okay, yeah, throw out a suspension. There's clearly some intent to injure there. But that is why in hockey, and I realize it's two different sports, but that is why in hockey there are two separate penalties for an illegal hit to the head and then an additional penalty for intent to injure. And you can use your discretion, and it's not going to be perfect. You're going to get it wrong. But 
kicking guys out of games and then making a guy sit out half of the next game has not been the solution. I don't like that, though. Like, I don't like the, you know, officials coming in and say, hey, I think that this guy did this intentionally because that's very hard to do in football. It is a sport where you hit. I get in hockey, you probably can do that a little bit better with guys, you know, you know, actually launching themselves at somebody. You right. can do that to a certain extent in football, but, in, but, but that's, in football, it's, a, you it's a more violent game. You have to tackle people. Yes, and that's why I think it makes it so hard. I don't want the officials to say, hey, I think that this was intentional, so he should be kicked out of the game or penalties or whatever. I just want to... And that's hard to do. I don't think intense the right way to go about it. I think this. the issue is that because the replay booth, you know, you're having a replay official that's looking at it, and the replay official is being employed by a conference where across the board, conferences are being told by the NCAA we need to minimize targeting hits. So naturally, that official is going to be biased towards what the NCAA wants. That's what we need to get rid of, is we need to find somebody that can truly be black and white about it and say, okay, was this intent to injure was this targeting or was it a bang bang play where two guys unfortunately collided face masks if it's the latter we don't need to kick somebody out of the game you want to throw a flag for a hit to the head okay fine but we need to stop calling targeting and kicking guys out of games over situations that are bang bang plays football is a fast sport and the pace is faster it, it, it is not fair to the players when we look at a play in slow motion and determine, oh yeah, this guy clearly had the presence of mind to know what was going on. That doesn't help anybody. And this is why the targeting rule has become one of the worst rules in college football. I get that it's with the measure of safety in mind, and that's great, but we are executing it incredibly poorly. 656-9900, let's go to Paul. Paul, good morning. You're on Saturday Sports Talk. Hey, good morning, guys. How you all doing? Good. Hey, listen, I'm, I'm kind of a, a little bit in agreement. I'm kind of kind of maybe straighten up the hockey part of that. Um, you know, in football, I think guys are usually leaving their feet, whether it be to jump or to push to, you know, to propel themselves towards a tackle. In hockey, you typically don't leave the ice pushing off like that. Does that make sense? Yeah, and it's, it's illegal to do that in hockey, too, so you're right. Yes, I mean, if the second you leave your feet off the ice, if you're if you're making contact with somebody, you're going to get a penalty. Yeah. If you leave both feet off the ice, so I think that you know it's hard. It's easier to see intent in hockey. I think it's much harder to. I think it becomes more of a judge a judgment based thing in football because you don't know what the intent. The guy is, you know, maybe he is going to push, and the guy happens to bend over and happens to hit head to head. You know, you don't know that there was intent there. You know, so. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree with you guys with that, but I think the hockey definitely, they can definitely, um, you know, I think there's just a big difference in leaving the feet and in, in, in comparing those two, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Paul, we appreciate the call. Hope you have a great weekend. And my, my main thing with the hockey point is just that they have it tiered. They have two separate penalties. And yes, it is easier to... to tell the intent and to be able to differentiate and stuff like that. Because with football, you've got guys going up for jump balls. You have situations in football that you don't have in hockey. My, my point is just that there are other sports that have a way to categorize this in a different way that I think makes it easier. Football has to figure out some sort of system because lumping it all together of, okay, a guy goes for a jump ball. Both guys are trying to play the ball and then they happen to collide heads okay, well, the defensive player gets a targeting call or an offensive player is a ball carrier. He's trying to run through two tacklers. So he, 
you know, gets low and lowers his shoulders and lowers his head and goes head first into the pile. And the first guy that he runs into, he hits his helmet with, and we're calling a defensive penalty when the offensive player invited or initiated the contact. And instead, everything is just against the defensive player, and we have to find a way to be better about that. Could it just be as simple as, okay, if if there's a targeting call, okay, that's that's a warning. It carries over for another game or so, and then let's say the next game or the same game, heck, someone gets called for targeting the next game, they are suspended. Like, almost like in soccer, where if, like in group yeah, play, if like, you get back-to-back yellow cards in two different games, then you... You have to sit out the next game or something. Is it? I mean, does that seem too simple for college football? Uh, yeah, because college football likes to complicate things. I, I, I don't know about a warning system because then it's like, uh, okay, well, this guy already did it once, so we can assume that he's done it again. I, I, I just think we got to be a little bit more lenient. We've we've got to l- loosen the leash a little bit when it comes to ejecting players from games. Yeah. So, like, obviously everyone that, you know, around football is all for player safety. No one wants players getting hurt and getting concussions. We know, we know the science behind that, you know, what damage that does to people's brains. It's a very real thing. But I, I'm i against kicking college players out for something like that when this does indeed happen. The, the offensive player ducks his head. The defensive player naturally is going to duck his head. I'm against kicking guys out for that. I'd rather see a defensive player kicked out of a game for faking an injury and challenging the integrity of the sport. Than what's this sim- fake injury deal? Than what's sim- what's that about? Just trying to make a play and get kicked out of a game for trying to make a tackle and just help his team. I think the intent is different there. Uh, and we will talk about that fake injury because... Two of the other, we've got two more measures that the NCAA approved earlier this week. One of them, Tennessee fans might be pretty happy to hear about. 656 9900. We will come back from the Budweiser Studios of Cumulus Broadcasting with Logan Ward. I'm Joel Silverberg. Saturday Sports Talk continues right here on the Sports Animal. Look, the bottom line of what I'm trying to get to from the last segment is that I hate the targeting rule. I'm all for preventing head-to-head hits, but it's like we're realizing that certain things are dangerous and then we want to keep doing them, but we want to take the danger out of it. It's like, I don't know what you're expecting. Like, you're not going to be able to eliminate head-to-head hits in football. It's also the whole situation is... It's like eliminating fights in hockey. Insanity is the... The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. I think we could all go on the record and say replay in college football, especially targeting, is not great. I don't I Honestly, don't want I, to see a system where we go to more replay reviews for targeting because we don't know what it is. Well, now they're going to take longer. It, it, and that's the thing. I don't want a targeting review to take, you know, five, ten minutes. We don't need it. Give them a warning. If they do it again... They're suspended the next game. Uh, Honestly, again, I will harp on this. My replay review model, because replay review is meant to to correct obvious error. You get 30 seconds to look at all camera angles. If you don't see anything obvious, call stands. Like, tough. You don't need to look at the same thing a million times. 
It just doesn't it doesn't do your viewers any good. It doesn't do your sport any good. Six five six ninety nine hundred. We go to the phones. Talk to Randall. Randall, good morning. You're on Saturday Sports Talk. Hey, good morning, Joe. Good morning, Logan. Um, about the targeting. Okay, in city league football, you're taught to put your your head on either side of the body whenever you make a tackle. Junior high, high school, it's the same thing. Okay. And in college, it's the same thing. But here's the deal with the targeting, okay? They take it out on the defensive guy, but they don't They do not do anything for the, the running back that lowers his head. Correct. He may turn his head. He may turn his head into which side you're tackling. So they throw a kid out for, for targeting when it wasn't intentional. Yeah, that's the point that I made in the last segment where, you know, if a running back either lowers his shoulder or invites or initiates contact and happens to hit a guy, you know, sometimes that happens. I think it was Jalen Reeves-Mabin who uh, got kicked out of the Appalachian State game back in 2016 because he got really low uh, on a punt return, but then the punt returner kind of started to crouch down right as he was about to make the hit, and Reeves-Mabin is already in his motion. So if if the guy stays standing up, Reeves-Mabin's hitting him in the waistline, but because the guy essentially did a full-on squat, Reeves Maven makes contact with his head and then gets booted from the game in the first half. So, yeah, it's the that doesn't make, that doesn't make sense. It doesn't I mean, it really doesn't. But they they take it out on the defensive guy. But see, here's the deal. Okay, <clears throat> offense is not accountable for targeting. They should be held accountable. Yeah, I agree. I think, uh, or if, you know, if, if you see an offensive player that is initiating contact, then you would need, at least need to give the benefit of the doubt to the defensive player. I mean, I saw that happen in a JV football game a few years back. And they back then, they didn't implement ejections for head-to-head hits in high school football, but it was a JV football game. So you're talking about underclassmen, freshmen and sophomores. Running back is trying to break the perimeter. He sees a safety coming up on him. Safety gets low, gets really low. Uh, Really textbook tackle, tried to wrap up, but then the running back flinches and kind of tries to drop into the fetal position, so ends up getting his head hit instead of absorbing the hit in his midsection like he's supposed to, and they throw a 15-yard penalty on the defender who was just trying to make a textbook tackle. You know, he kept his head up, um, but his face mask mask ended up in the running back's ear hole, and so the kid gets a 15-yard penalty, and it it was a really unfortunate play. But that's the thing is now you've got young kids that are trying to learn and develop to play varsity football that don't know how they're supposed to tackle anymore because officials are just anytime two helmets collide, oh, the defensive player is getting a 15-yard penalty. Well, it's not only that. Joe, they don't teach correct tackling. Okay, now I play college ball. And I'm not going to say that I was a saint. There's no telling how many concussions that I had in college. No telling. Because there were helmet-to-helmet contact. It wasn't intentional. But, I mean, I totally understand where they're coming from. But it needs to be from both sides, both the offense and the defense. Yeah, I agree. Randall, appreciate the call. Have a good weekend. And I I just think as we – continue on trying to dissect all the nitty-gritty of the targeting rule it's it's ultimately i don't think it's going to change it's great that they have this review process 
for players that get kicked out of the second half of their games, that doesn't really help players that commit targeting in the first two quarters, and it doesn't change the fact that a player may have been unjustly kicked out of the game he was actively in. So this is a real, I mean, this is really small progress. And over the grand scheme of things, I don't think it's really going to make anybody all that happy. It's an imperfect system, right? Like there's going to be, you know, because this is making a judgment call. Now, the thing about it is with replay and with officiating, it should be, yes, this is 100% without a doubt. But it's almost like these guys are making a judgment. Everything about it, this is such a hard thing to, to fix. I mean, it's much like the, uh, the the fake injury situation. There's not a correct way to fix this because if you correct it this way, then someone's going to find a loophole around it. And that's with every rule, but just targeting, you know, how this is coming to the forefront of, you know, player safety and CTE and all of that stuff. It's just imperfect and, you know, it's kind of hard to fix. There's not a great way to do it. They've making progress with it, but... I'm just, you know, I'm I'm so against kicking a college player out of a game for a whole entire game for something that could happen on play one. I'm so against that. 656-9900-1866-656-9900 outside the local calling area. Star 990, a free call for AT&T and U.S. Cellular customers. Half an hour left to go in this edition of Saturday Sports Talk here on The Sports Animal. A little less than a half hour to go in today's edition of Saturday Sports Talk, 656-9900. If you want to get in under the wire with Logan Ward, I'm Joel Silverberg. We don't know where Hurricane is. Went into the bathroom, never came out. It's my understanding. Yeah. Trends. Uh... <laughs> I really hope he's listening to today's show. I know he's not. Because he's he's he was on his way to Lowe's earlier. He texted me that. Yeah, that he he's, was he's, he's having some serious, serious plumbing issues at his house that needed his attention uh but i'm really hoping that he's hearing why we're saying that he's not here here's the thing though like if you know if i ever had plumbing issues in my place i i i couldn't i wouldn't know what to do same not even the slightest same so i can't make fun of him too much and that's any really labor i can't do anything i i could i prefer not to try i will pay someone (laughs) to come over and fix it so I can just sit there and do nothing and talk to that person. I'm I'm a really good manager, okay? I don't want to do the hard work, but I'm very, very good at telling people what to do. And then whenever they are not doing it correctly, I then inform them of that. I can't get on my hands and knees and fix this stuff. Nothing is more important than hard work, as we all know, which is why Logan prefers to do nothing. Instead of doing hard work. I sit here and talk for a living. (laughs) I don't have to get out there and do manual labor. I don't know anything about pipes or or anything like that. So the NCAA approved three measures earlier this week that will affect the upcoming college football season. We've already talked about the new targeting rule where conferences can submit video evidence to suggest that a player should not have been kicked out of a game. If a player is kicked out of a game in the second half, they will then be reinstated for the first half of their following game instead of having to miss it. The second one, Tennessee fans will know this all too well. The conference or school involved in a game, they will be able to report scenarios where an opposing team may have been awarded an injury timeout suspiciously 
The conference or school involved in the complaint would be able to issue discipline if the national coordinator of officiating deems it necessary. Any injured player will still be required to sit out at least one play. I know there's been advocacy that a player should have to sit out at least a series or at least three plays or whatever, but that is not going to change. But in a situation where Ole Miss had maybe 15 fake injuries against Tennessee last year, the University of Tennessee and the SEC would be able to submit video evidence to the coordinator of officials to suggest, hey, this player should not have been allowed to, this team should not have been awarded an injury timeout. Now, what what you're going to start seeing, I think, is teams then sending those players back to the locker room for five minutes to make it appear that a medical timeout was necessary and, and here's the thing. Some of the injuries from Ole Miss against Tennessee were legitimate because you did actually see some players have to go back to the locker room for a period of time. But when you see a player fall on the ground... Just get sniped. Right, right yeah. before... Yeah, just get, just get sniped by Josh Ward up in the booth <laughs> uh, with, his, with his little airsoft sniper rifle, goes down, holding his leg, then suddenly pop up and run it off. Not walk it off, but run it off. That's when you know that something is amiss here because sometimes it is obvious. And so discipline can be handed down to those players and teams if a situation like that happens again this upcoming fall. I mean, it's it's so hard to do. I, I think to me, if you see coaches, a head coach or a coaching staff as a, you know, as, as a collective whole, looking at their players and saying, get down, get down, get down. Then you make the argument, okay, this player is trying to limp off. They might actually be hurt. There's a whole bunch of things to this where it's it's another judgment call. Is this player actually hurt? I don't feel comfortable enough. If I was an official, I don't feel comfortable by saying, you're faking an injury, you're not hurt. Because then the bad thing happens, they're actually hurt. Or... Vice versa happens. I'm against all this. I don't think there's a gr- a great fix to this solution. Well, I, at least with this one, the scenario is it, it comes after the game. And while I don't like that for the targeting rule, I like it for this one because you're right. I don't like the idea of having to deem somebody, oh, we're going to penalize you because we don't think you're actually injured when you actually are. That would be a, a pretty big injustice. But if a player goes down with an injury takes a playoff and then plays the rest of the game without any issue. I mean, that's something that you can show on the report uh, uh, on a chart or something like that's something that will have evidence. So then the following week on Monday, you can say, Hey, this guy went down with this serious injury. They were awarded a, a medical timeout. Then this guy gets up, runs off the field, comes back a play later and then plays as if nothing happened. This guy's not injured. So, or this guy was at least not injured enough to the point where he could have gotten off the field on his own instead of taking the time out. So we're not going to say, Hey, we're, we're not going to, you know, we're not going to say, Hey, this guy's not injured or anything like that. Put put ourselves in that sort of legal situation. But it is very obvious that this player could have at least made it to the sideline so that his team did not need to be given a medical timeout. What I would also like to see is if a player goes down and a team still has a timeout remaining, they need to be charged that timeout. The NFL used to do that. If it happened in the final two minutes of a half, 
and you were trying to stop the clock somehow, if you had a timeout available and you had a player that actually got injured, you had to burn a timeout. And they don't do that anymore, but I would like to see that come back throughout the entire game. You got a guy going down halfway through the first quarter because your defense is on a 10-play drive and it's a fast-paced offense and you're trying to just buy yourself some time. No, you've got to burn an actual timeout. Sorry, you've got two timeouts now. If it happens three times in the first 20 minutes of the first half, you got no timeouts the rest of the way. Or what about if we see, you know, guys that just, you know, are 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 lining up to play like teams all over the country did last year. You know, Ole Miss is the obvious one just because we're here in Knoxville. We, we saw the whole bunch in that game where guys are lined up, taking their position, and then all of a sudden they just fall down. Yeah, that's the stuff that drives me insane because they could probably not hurt because they could have at least walked to the sideline. Exactly. When you have guys on the sideline pointing to the ground, there's a bit of an indication. That's what I'm getting to. Why not find the coaches, find the university, find the program? $50,000, $25,000, have it keep going up the more that this happens throughout a season. Now, lots of teams do it. This is not just an Ole Miss oh, thing. I know not, I know. Tennessee t- fans were Tennessee frustrated with it. Ole Miss. Yeah, Tennessee did it against Ole Miss. And you know what happened when Tennessee did it? The same fans that were booing the Ole Miss players for doing it then cheered. There you go. Good job. And taunted Ole Miss fans. There was a chant coming out of the section I was sitting in in that game saying, y'all got kiffined. So they acknowledge that they faked injuries. <laughs> you just That's the thing is that fans just don't like it when other teams do it against their own team. Yeah. Wow. It's not great. There, it, it is a bad look for college football, but as this game continues to go to more of an up-tempo pace, and hey, it's going to happen again this year in Tennessee games. I guarantee you, Pittsburgh, Florida, Georgia, Alabama, all these teams that Tennessee plays this year, if they can get an advantage and they can go down to slow the clock down, they will do it. And you know what? If Tennessee plays an up-tempo offense and they need it, they'll do the same exact nah, thing. Tennessee's this program happen- is full of nothing but integrity. This Logan happens Ward. all over the country. It is a problem in college <laughs> football. I don't think there's a I don't think there's one obvious thing to do to correct this, though. There's not one obvious thing. No, there's not. Except find the university and penalize players and kick them all out. That's the direction. Well, <laughs> well, not to kick them all out. I'm kidding. Find the coaches, find the university, find the program. That's the direction I wish they would go. 656-9900. We'll have Logan's locks for you on the other side. You want to make some money this weekend? Follow Logan and do what he does because it usually works out well in your favor. Logan's locks coming up on the other side as we wrap up today's edition of Saturday Sports Talk here on The Sports Animal. Final segment of today's edition of Saturday Sports Talk. It's been good to be back. Appreciate everybody tuning in. It's been my first show in over a month. We finally let you back on. Yeah. So it's a uh, week-by-week basis now, Joel. Uh, Quite frankly, about next week, we don't know. We'll see. What do you guys base it off of? Just feelings, really. Kind of mood we're in. It was nice today. So we're like, hey, 80-something degrees today. Beautiful April spring day here in East Tennessee. Let's let Joel come in. Why not? So CBS Sports will take you back at 12 o'clock, but at 1.30, we will have Lady Vol softball as they begin the Lady Vol challenge against East Carolina. They've got a doubleheader. They will take UNC Greensboro 
at 4 o'clock today. They'll take on East Carolina again tomorrow at 1. And then at 6.30 tonight, Game 2 of the Tennessee-Florida Baseball Series as Vol Baseball looks to get a series win against the Gators down in Gainesville. First pitch is at 6.30. The coverage for all three games is available right here on the Sports Animal. Brian Rice on the call for Lady Vol Softball. John Wilkerson, as always, on the call for Tennessee Baseball right here on the Sports Animal. It is time now for Logan's Locks. So, Logan, how did we do last week? Where do we stand on the year? Yeah, one and two. We're kind of, you know, struggling, you know, going back between two and one weeks, one and two. But I tell you what, I don't say... When I say this, when I say I feel so good about these picks, I usually win pretty big. I feel really good about these three picks. I have two in Major League Baseball. If you're not betting Major League Baseball right now and you're not making money, I don't know when, you know, you know, I don't know what you're doing, quite frankly. You bet the unders, bet the favorites, pay the juice, pay 160. That's what we're going to do here. Two plays in Major League Baseball, one plus money play. Once again, in UFC tonight, starting off in Major League Baseball, the San Francisco Giants are in Washington to take on the Nationals. Take the Giants' money line, minus 165. I talk to friends, and they say, 165, that's too big of a price. For baseball, it is not. Baseball money line, that is a very good price. Takes that. Alex Wood is on the mound for the Giants. He's their ace. Aaron Sanchez back on the hill for Washington. It's one of the first times he's pitched the last several years. He was with the Giants last season. Picked up a win and a loss for the Giants last season. He's on the hill tonight for the Nationals. The, the, the Nationals are 3-6 and six at home, while Alex Wood is 1-0 this season with a 1.93 ERA. Hitting against lefties. The Nationals are hitting 207, which is not fantastic, and their home offense ranks 24th in Major League Baseball. Love this play. Giants money line minus 165. It's an early pitch, so look forward to that. Second play, nightcap, out on the West Coast, Dodgers against the Padres. We saw the Dodgers just smoke the Padres last night. Joel, surprisingly, the Dodgers are very good at baseball. Who would have thought? They have good pitching. They have good hitting. They're very good in the field as well. The Dodgers are absolutely rolling right now. They've won nine of their last ten. Tyler Anderson going for L.A. tonight. You Darvish. The U Darvish of 2022 is not the U Darvish that we've seen back with, you know, the Rangers, even going back to a couple years ago against the Padres. U Darvish is, he's good. I don't trust him. We're going to take the Dodgers short chalk at minus 120 on the money line. We'll take the LA Dodgers over the San Diego Padres. Tonight, UFC fight night in Las Vegas. Jessica Andrade, the main event against Amanda Lemus. We'll take Jessica Andrade by KOTKO at plus, plus, plus money, plus 175 by KOTKO. She's a known finisher. You don't get a lot of finishers whenever you see women fighting. Her, she comes forward. She hits hard. If this fight goes to the ground, she will finish this with elbows, hammer fists. This fight's going to get over at about round three, round four. It's a five-round main event. Take Jessica Andrade plus money, KOTKO at plus 175. To recap it all, Giants, money line, pay the juice, people. What are we doing here? Minus 165. Dodgers, short chalk, minus 120 against the San Diego Padres. Then plus money alert. UFC fight night, Jessica Andrade, KOTKO at plus 175. Joel, I love every single one of those picks. If you're not putting your all of your daughter's college savings on the line right now for these picks, I don't know what you're doing. Okay? 
I love these plays so much. I haven't really started the uh, college saving for Emma yet. You got to get there, though. She's four months old today. Well, hey, there we go. So, uh, yeah, only about 17 and a half more years until she's off to college. <laughs> you know what? It's going to go by so quickly. It is. But, yes, again, a lot of picks to take note of today with Logan's locks. Uh, also, like the Tampa Bay Lightning money line against the Nashville Predators tonight, do not have a lot of faith in my team. But, again, Jessica Andrade win by KO, TKO. That's a plus 175 line. The Dodgers money line at minus 120, and the Giants' money line against the Nationals at minus 165. Lock those in while you can. And last night, somebody skated by the skin of his teeth with the Suns minus two and a half after they won by three last night. So uh, very fortunate to pull that one out. So thank you, Chris Paul, for taking over in the fourth quarter. NBA playoffs that we have coming up. Tonight, or really today at 2 o'clock, Sixers and the Raptors. Philly looking for the series sweep at 2 o'clock. At 4.30, the Jazz take on the Mavericks. Dallas has a 2-1 to lead in that series. Game 4 happening in Utah, however. Nets trying to avoid going in a 3-0 hole when they take on the Celtics at 7.30 tonight. Brooklyn down 2 to nothing to Boston in that series. And then the Grizzlies looking to make it three in a row against the Timberwolves. They will take on Minnesota at 10 o'clock tonight. Memphis is a three-point favorite. Ja Morant, still need him to play a little bit better, though he was big in the fourth quarter the other night. Speaking of playing better, and this is an NBA show, and I don't care, Kevin Durant has been awful. Yeah, two of the worst playoff games of his career. Okay, so I am LeBron guy. Like, I love LeBron James. I was a Cavs fan. I was a Heat fan. I was a Cavs fan again. Now, I'm a Lakers fan, but I'm kind of trending towards I don't care. If LeBron James went 0 of 11, 0 of 12, or whatever it was in the second half of a playoff game, this world would eat him alive. Eat oh, him yeah, alive. Out. He's been, Kevin Durant has been horrendous, horrendous this series. Yeah. No, I agree. I think they win the night, though, back in Brooklyn. We shall see. Uh, it's going to be... It's going to be interesting, especially because of how poorly Kevin Durant has played and Brooklyn has still been in games one and two. And that's what makes it so frustrating is if you're Brooklyn, you feel like you could be up 2-0 right now, at least have it tied at one with the series coming back to your barn and just hasn't been the case. We appreciate you tuning in to this edition of Saturday Sports Talk. Eric Kane will be back next week. Logan Ward, thank you for producing and co-hosting today. Thank you for listening from the Budweiser Studios of Cumulus Broadcasting. Saturday Sports Talk is going to take a 165-hour break. CBS Sports coming up next. Lady Vol Softball with the Lady Vol Challenge. Get you started at 1.30 right here on The Sports Animal. Movies, TV shows, books, podcasts, and more. It's what women binge with Melissa Joan Hart and her friend Amanda Lee. Scott Grimes is here Thank with you. us. Voiceover, that is like my dream job. I think I just have too distinctive a voice and I can't manipulate it. so why I'm right. not a good singer. This is how great Seth MacFarlane is. I went in to do it and I was talking like this and he goes, good, now just get rid of the neck thing that you just did because it's one, it's ugly. And then I just came out like this and came up with this guy named Steve Smith who has a tiny little lisp, but so does Scott Grimes, so it's perfect. What women binge wherever you listen.